Teresa Storch is an international live performer of joyful strength and riveting emotional power. Her soulful Americana songwriting balances on the fence between folk and jazz, drawing comparisons to Emmy Lou Harris, Patty Griffin, and Sean Colvin. Audience members say it's like seeing Bonnie Raitt when she first started. She has recorded three studio and two live albums and is now working on her fourth studio album. In 2014, Teresa joined forces with her emotional support guitarist, Peter Lasis, a multi-instrumentalist from New Jersey who has recorded and toured nationally with Silva, Johnny and the Mongrels, and Barbuda. Well, Mr. Moon, what's new with you? Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where we take the challenge to write a song in one week from a random prompt and then talk about it. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to welcome Teresa Storch and Peter Laces. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Thanks How for having doing? us. Oh, God, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for being on. This is the first show. This is the inaugural show. Woohoo! When this is like a huge phenomenon across the country, it, it, they're going to keep coming back to this one, and they're going to know that uh, uh, Teresa and, and Peter were on the show. So we started it all. That's right. That's right. Dig it. I guess I wanted to start off with talking about your normal songwriting process, because this is an unusual process to write a song in a week. I mean, most people don't do that. Some people, there are a lot of people that do that, though. Um, I know my roommate actually writes a song every week, and there are other people that do that sort of thing. But I think most songwriters usually take a little bit more time to work stuff out. So do you want to give me an idea of what your normal songwriting process is? It's pretty funny because I actually really, really started writing a lot when I was writing a song a week. <laughs> so this wasn't that unusual for me. Um, pre Before I ever tried this kind of thing uh, of writing a song a week, it was really sporadic. It was really just when I was emotionally moved by a topic or a concept or something in my life. Um, or it was something when I was like a rhythm that I would just get attached to and it would be in my head and I'd be like, I want to write something about that or with that. Um, so, so in my journey, songwriting has varied, like how I've approached it. And I've loved it when I've done a song a week. And my first foray into that was with two girlfriends of mine, uh, Danielle Moralia and Lisa Bastoni, who are great songwriters in the Boston area. And we, it was the challenge, write a song a week. We give ourselves a prompt. We come up with something, bring it the next Sunday. And I've had some of those songs have stuck around for, you know, the thing is you write a song a week doesn't mean that you don't work on it later. Of you can course. come up with something and continue to improve it. It's can you come up with a cool idea, something that's going to stick in that week. And and I've also done songwritings that in a day or 45 minutes. I mean, it depends on the structure of whatever I'm in, be it a songwriting class, uh, be it um, Tim Reardon's Fearless Songwriting Weeks. Have you heard of those? Oh, I don't yeah. know if you participate in those. So some of my songs have come out of those where, you know, you write a song a day for the fearless songwriting week is you write a song a day for a week and you try to at least make a recording or, or put something out there, be it just, maybe it's just the lyrics that you come up with or whatever you can get created. And, uh, I've had some of my best songs come out of those kind of just challenges of just sit down and write. Cause that's, that's the hardest part for me. I, I need to be held accountable personally. 
typically, to really produce something. That's why I took your challenge, David, was I was thinking that uh, I want, you know, I'd been wanting to write songs. I'd been not really motivated in the whole COVID staying at home thing. I have to be honest, I was more sort of depressed and bummed. I'm not playing as many shows as I'd like to be, et cetera. So um, thank you. And thank you for this challenge. (laughs) Oh, you betcha. Do you have like a regular way of writing a song or is it, is it just all over the place? I mean, do you just take where, <laughs> wherever you can find inspiration? Yeah. Kind of wherever I find inspiration, be it a challenge, you know, a prompt, uh, be it, um, something I experienced when I was touring a lot. So I spent a good 10, 11 years traveling and that where music was my main, um, source of income. Now I have varied source of incomes. So, um, I traveled a lot and I would be inspired by places I'd go or people I'd meet or, you know, um, just experiences I'd have. And it was, those were the really, that was the most fruitful time. I think when I didn't have, you know, I wasn't necessarily being challenged by a prompt, but by just what I was experiencing lately as I have a day job and I have a family and, and I've, I've felt it's harder to find those things. You'd think I'd have lots of inspiration with the family, huh? But I think <laughs> I'm just too tired or busy. <laughs> to put it down. So it's a, it's a discipline. Songwriting really is a discipline. If, if no, so anyone tells you different, it's not true because you have to be listening for the muse to be heard. If you, you have to be available, have your pen in hand, your computer open to write down the ideas, I think. Um, and that's really what I've gotten. I've gotten a lot of these, these, that kind of support, I guess, or, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, um, from the songwriting courses I've taken, from the songwriting teachers I've had, um, attending the song school in Colorado, um, many years in a row I did that. And, uh, it, it, I know I, it's, it's interesting cause I know what it takes, but I don't always do it, you know, oh, sure, sure, have sure. The discipline to sit down and write every day just to be someone who's listening to the, to the inspiration. I think is what what it requires. So, to be like a regular songwriter, and to, and to improve in your craft, you know. So I, I feel a little embarrassed that I'm not um, <laughs> as productive or disciplined as I feel I should be. Well, you know, I think I have yet to meet a songwriter who doesn't feel that way. <laughs> uh, so I, I I think you're I think you're in good com- company. But uh, Peter, Peter, let's talk about you. What, what's your uh, what, what's your routine for songwriting? How do you usually put something together? So uh, I'll be the first to admit that I am much more a writer of music than I am a writer of lyric. So um, I am always being I'm always chasing interesting rhythms. I'm interested. I'm interested in chord changes. I'm interested in kind of the, the, the thinking behind or the, 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 the theory behind why these things sound good, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, in, in that case, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, I'm constantly, let's say, for example, I'm chasing inspiration. So I will do something along the lines of recording myself improv- improvising, and I'll just do a lot of, you know, capture lots of notes of, of improvisation. And then I'll kind of stop that and maybe the next day or a couple of days later, I'll go back and I'll listen to some of those ideas. And I say, okay, mm-hmm. do I have anything here that I like? If I like it, then I'll, I'll that goes to the next level. If I don't, then, you know, you, know, you, know, you kind of delete it and you move on sort of thing. But I kind of like to see what... I get from my stream of consciousness, from source, whatever you call it, 
kind of pull that in, see what, you know, really gets me off and then get it. And that's something then I know if I'm excited about it, then I'm going to want to work on it. If I'm not excited about it, I mean, it's hard to get, you know, we yeah. talk about discipline, and all this sort of stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to go and spend a whole bunch of time working on something. If you're like, I hate this song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, sure. Yeah. So, so that's what I do. I chase that. Um, I am a piss poor lyricist, but luckily I yeah. met Teresa and, and, and that's an interesting, beautiful thing is the fact that we have, we're, we're learning. We're still, it's still, it's an iterative process about learning how to work together in a space of, um, when you have someone that's very focused on the, the written word and the spoken word, the, 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 the performed word, and then someone else who hears all the notes and the chord changes and the rhythms and everything else, it's almost like everything else but the word uh, <laughs> and, and bringing that together. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, yin, yang to the yin. Uh, I, I am a guitarist and I have always written my own guitar parts and things like that. But since I've been meeting, you know, writing with Peter, it's been really interesting to bring a song to him and be like, well, what do you think? Or, or even an idea like this song that we wrote this week. Um, and he came up with this really cool rhythm that I, okay, I'm like, okay, I got to take this and sort of create a song with this rhythm. Um, and it's something I did myself. I mean, there are often times in the past where I, we're, we're not that dissimilar, I'm saying, you mm -hmm. know, like I would come up, we'd be, like I said before, attached to a rhythm that I'd heard or a groove. Um, I have a song um, that was like a gypsy, gypsy jazz t type song that I was inspired by a band I saw in New Orleans. And, and so I just went home with like, oh, I just loved that, that band. Like, how can I write a gypsy jazz song when I'm like not a gypsy jazz player? So coming, trying to create something that I hear in my head um, has always been really fun, a really fun challenge. Uh, but I happen to have this amazing person now who can like come up with really amazing stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> when I throw an idea out. And so, um, it's been cool to kind of combine forces now and see well, what we can create. I think it's an interesting thing, at least my experience as, so again, I'm a, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I, you know, from the New York, New Jersey, Philly area and, the way we approach music and the way I did, you know, playing through bands and stuff like that. And then you know, working, you know, I, I was not as exposed to people that are just singer songwriters, like a person with an acoustic guitar or a person with a piano and thinking about the differences of how that happens and how mm -hmm. the song craft happens. And then like, okay, so I have never really focused as much on the written word. So I, the amount of attention that Teresa puts that I find fascinating at the same time, I feel like sometimes songwriters who are so focused on the word, it's like they're playing the same cowboy chords with the same rhythm all the time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I just, it, it, I'm like, it sounds to me, uh, sonically, it sounds like the same song. I keep hearing over and over sure. again. And you know, the songwriter's like, but the song, it's, 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 it has nothing to do with the other song. I'm like, it's the same chords, it's the same, it's in the same key. You're doing the same thing. You're not, you know, that's something that, that always like my ears can't help but hear. Mm -hmm. So I, that's where I get fired off. I'm like, okay, so sure. let's make this different. And uh, what's fascinating is that that's like, if you listen to any of my albums, every song is different almost. I mean, there might be a couple, but it, I don't like playing the same song. I don't like writing the same song. That's a song that's similar to others that I've written. I, I, I'm bored by that as well. And I get bored by albums at all where all the songs sound the same. So I've endeavored to create, like be inspired by different rhythms and different tones. And I, mean, I, I, I hope I'm, I mean, I'm sure there, there is a 
thread of commonality in a lot of my songs. It's hard to find sometimes. That's why well, it's it's hard to describe well, my music. <laughs> well, one thing that I one thing that I appreciated about the the two uh, pre existing songs that you, you you let me take a look at here um, that they're both very very different. In fact, all three the songs that you wrote this week is very mm-hmm. very different from the two songs that from your albums. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was hoping to play one of these songs real cool. quick and and get you to give me kind of the inside scoop on what went into writing it and just to get a little bit more detail. So I'm going to play Mr. Moon, uh, a real jazzy number of yours. So here we go. I'm going to play.
That was Mr. Moon by Teresa Storch off her album Stream of Concrete. So, uh, was this just a pure metaphor or you just like the moon that much? What's the, <laughs> what was the inspiration for this? Wow, there are several. Um, so I picked this song because it was the first song I wrote with my friends Danielle Morali and Lisa Bastoni uh, um, when we started our Write a Song a Week process. Um, or songwriting group, it was just the three of us. And the the prompt was choices, just simply that, which is very open-ended. Um, so we, of course, we, we all wrote very different songs from that. And I, at the time, had a very sweet boyfriend who was also, uh, had, had his own issues. You know, we all have issues, but I wasn't quite sure about if we were, you know, going to be together forever or that kind of thing. Um but it got me thinking about that concept, you know, of, of who do I want to marry? And it reminded me of a, a conversation I had with my brother, my older brother, Jeff, who, when he was getting married, he talked about love as a choice and he was choosing to love this person for the rest of his life. I thought that was really a beautiful way to think about it. And so along with that, at the time I was touring a bit and I would had this funny thing where I would travel, I'd drive at night and, um, it'd be me and the moon. I had this moon roof and my sunroof in my car and I felt like the moon was kind of my friend. He would follow me or I would travel with him. I don't know. It was a very weird thing. Um, and it even started in high school. I remember I used to sit on the front porch of my parents' house and, um, watch the moon rise up over the neighbors across the street. And, you know, if I was upset about something, it was a place I could sit and think and, have a conversation with the moon. And so it became this, this song where I was talking to the moon and asking him about, well, you know, I hope I can find someone and maybe I did. And, and when I make this choice to love this person the rest of my life, will you know, will the moon still be there as my friend? And uh, so it was, it was a really cool time in my life. I think when I was just starting out as a musician and creating this music life for myself. So well, talk to me a little bit about um, uh, the style of it. I mean, it, it, this has a very jazzy feel to it. The arrangement yeah. certainly is jazzy. When mm. you were writing it, did you feel like it was a jazzy song? Yeah. You did? For okay. sure. Definitely. Yeah. I Usually when I write a song, uh, this song was different than the one we read this week, but typically I have an immediate sort of feel of what I want the style to be based on the subject matter. And... I guess we were we stuck pretty close to that this week as well for this week's song. But that one was definitely a um I, I ended up picking just picking my my guitar and playing my hand putting my hand on a random chord and it was this D minor seven kind of thing. I forget where uh-huh. I started. And it just sort of set the tone of what I wanted to create. And and it I love jazz. I mean I've always loved jazz. I've it's really interesting when I started writing, I became realized I was way more influenced by, by old school 
styles, you know, like jazz and old school R&B or rather than anything contemporary. And, and even, you know, folk was never a big part of my life uh, growing up or I, until like college, a friend gave me a Joni Mitchell album. I honestly was and a Bob Dylan album. Those are the two, like, it took years before I really was indoctrinated to the concept of folk. So I think I come to folk really more as a singer songwriter who loves all kinds of styles, jazz being one of them. And this was one of my first forays into that, Mr. Moon. Do, so. do you want to name check any of your favorite songwriters from some of the, the kind of standard era? What's interesting is I didn't listen to that. I would listen to the, oh. the Indigo Girls. And when growing, you know, I was in high school or college, it was the Indigo Girls. It was Tori Amos. It was Sean Colvin. It was... Um, but when I started writing, I brought out these interesting things that I don't even know where it <laughs> it's the stuff you got through osmosis. Growing I think up. it was That's... my parents. I maybe, yeah. Osmosis. Huh. yeah. Um, but my parents, I mean, my parents loved swing. They loved like classic Glenn Miller kind of, Oh yeah. um, I really don't know where it came from. Your mom was always in the mood. She was always. Oh yeah. She would be dancing right now. That song was playing in 86. Compassionate is one of the words I would use to describe your music, and I think this next one really just just nails the the compassion aspect here. Let's let's take a listen to sympathy.
That was Sympathy by Teresa Storch. And what, what's the album that's off of? It's on Come Clean. Come Clean. So why don't you tell, tell us yeah, about the song? Well, it was also a songwriting prompt, um, similar to what you gave us you know, for this week. Um, I had a month to do it, so I had a little bit more time. There's a There was a venue, I wonder if it's still going, called AS220 in in Providence, Rhode Island. I was living in Boston at the time and a friend would run a songwriter's night where he would, you know, come up really what it was cool was he'd have the audience write prompt ideas and on pieces of paper. And then he'd like pick one out of the hat and, and for the next month. And ours was sympathetic vibrations. And so that was really what I, I as a physicist, as a, well, okay, uh-huh. I shouldn't call myself a physicist because I have a degree in engineering physics. I worked for a few years and then switched to software engineering. But um, it had and a more... And then switched to songwriting. And then switched to songwriting. Right. <laughs> or somewhere at the same time, actually, I switched to software and songwriting, I think. But um, it was around the same time. So it was a really cool thing for me to think about like sympathetic vibrations. Like how, what's another take on that? Cause I didn't really want to think about, Oh, you know, there's like resonant frequency. There's the concept of like, I don't know. I, I, I was going to geek out a little bit. There's like space uh, rocket ships or space shuttles or things that have like 
parts have broken off because of like the vibration that's gotten so big, then it breaks. But we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> so I thought of what's a different take on it, and I thought of sympathy as opposed to sympathetic, and the vibration that comes with having sympathy for someone and what they're going through and having compassion. So that is where that came from. And I, I have, you know, everyone, like everyone we've had, has friends, family who've had forays with mental illness, depression. Hmm. So that's really what it's for, is for people that I care about in my life who've had to deal with stuff that, um, you know, I can't say I've never been depressed, but I probably haven't had as hard of a time as others. Grateful for that. Um, so that's where that song came from. And, and there are specifics in there that are kind of around people that I know, but it's also sort of vague because I really wanted it to be generic for anyone who's had to deal with mental illness of, or you know, things that have helped, you know, have, have hindered them from being able to live a full life, you know, because the mind is crazy. The mind can do the wildest things. So, um, just putting myself out there as a someone who cares and is listening and hopefully sending out my own vibration of, of compassion. All right. Do you, how long do you think it took? I know you said earlier that you, you know, you take these prompts and you may write it in a day or 45 minutes or a week. Um, but, but that's not necessarily when you're done with it. Yeah. And, and these both were album tracks. So at what point did you I mean, you, I presume that you played these live before you put them on albums. At what point did you feel like you were you were done with it and you were ready to... I mean, it was a final version that you wanted to put on an album. That's a hard question. Um, I mean, did you spend a lot of time tweaking them over the years or, or was it... Um, not so much. I mean, honestly, a majority of it does come out pretty quickly. I might tweak a word here or there, but typically the the topic, the main concepts um, stick. You know, uh, Mr. Moon. It was you know it was the whole concept of talking to the moon, and that's something that had been with me for a long time in my life, and so it wasn't necessarily something I was going to change. But there is sometimes words that'll come to me that'll be like, oh, that's a better way to describe that line or way to, you know, um, better adjective or something that rhymes a little better. Um, but then, you know, when you record it, it really is in the process of recording that I think the songs come alive with all the other instruments, all the other people playing on it. Um, I think you played on, did you play on Sympathy? In the rip- I no. play on sympathy. That's one of my favorite songs to play live with you. Yeah. Because it has just an awesome, I mean, again, to my place, it's a, uh, there's a lot of emotion that song conjures up for me. Um, as someone mm-hmm. who has dealt with mental health uh, issues in the past as well, and I shouldn't say the past, continues to uh, mm-hmm. have a, a, a wonderful relationship with mental health. <laughs> Uh, and, but it, there's also this, there's the, the visceral feeling that the chord changes bring up for me as a, as a, as a, you know, rock guitar player, mm. there's just something about it that's just so like climactic and amazing that it's one of my favorite songs to play live with Teresa. Hmm. 
Well, well, so this this makes me this makes me wonder about when you're arranging a song to play live. Mm-hmm. That there's a little bit of songwriting that goes in there, but then also when you're getting ready for the studio, I, you, you brought that up. Is there there are revisions that are made to kind of fit a, a full production? And mm-hmm. do you feel like there are significant changes that you've made? To either of these songs, or or just general in general, when you're preparing them for for live shows or for uh, recording, I can tell you about this song in particular. Um, I do re- I distinctly remember I brought it to a songwriting group, like a songwriting workshop, which um, is at Michael Kirkpatrick's house up in Fort Collins. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a great I know the name. I know the name. He's a great songwriter, and so the, the, there was a Fort Collins songwriting, like a song salon. I forget what they called it. Um, that went pretty regularly, like once a month. Um, and back when I was, I was in the studio already, I had been working on this album and this was a song I had wanted to, you know, definitely wanted to record. And I, I felt though there was something not quite, I didn't, I'm not quite right. I wanted feedback on it. So that's one way that I, I tweak things is playing them for people, playing it for other songwriters and getting input. And I brought it to this group and the, the I don't know if you noticed. So in the song, the second time I come around to the pre-chorus, it's bigger, it's higher, it's a little bit different, and that came from this bringing in the song to this group. Oh. They said they wanted some kind of emotional shift. They wanted something else to help it build, hmm. and that really helped. It really helped it. That's awesome. like I was able to in the moment with these people try to, I forgot, I guess I just brought it up a couple notes and you know, so saying kind of like a harmony to what I originally was doing and was able to get more emotion out of it. I mean, that's really, I mean, there's so many, so many aspects of songwriting that are so cool. And there are things you can tweak and change to create what you're trying to create, to create the emotion, to create the, the reaction, the feeling that you get when you hear it. And that was one of those lovely instances of, of, getting feedback that was like, yes, that's awesome. You know, that was a great, you know, that's really cool. I've never heard that story before. I probably never told you that. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Ooh, we've got an exclusive. Antonio Lopez was there. (laughs) There were a lot of great people in that room. I don't remember whose idea that was, but, um, it was a, yeah, I, I, yeah. Antonio Lopez, uh, maybe Greg Johnson. That might've been the night that I went up with, with Greg Johnson, who runs the, uh, the, uh, Casey Jones music festival. Um, he came with us one time up there. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's... The three I, of you could be or a fun triumvirate, I have to say. <laughs> triumvirate. <laughs> when the three of good you word. get together, it's always a good time. But uh, that's, I mean, that, and that's one of the things I certainly missed during COVID is those kinds of get-togethers and being sure. with other musicians, even just seeing live music to be inspired. I mean, honestly, I... I've been telling Peter, like, like that's always what's driven me my whole life of to be a musician is because I would see people and be like, I really want to do that. I want to do that. I, how do they do that? And uh, that's what's driven I, me. And so being so far removed from things like that is. You know. I know I might. My COVID response has been very different just because to me, the getting in front of an audience is part of the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the part that I really care about. I know I'm I'm more of a I really care more about the songwriting and. The main reason I want to be like a singer songwriter is so that I get credit for the songs I get, you know, because because a lot of the people, I mean, the, the songs that Elvis sang were Elvis songs, even if he didn't write them. And so I always worry about 
you know, I, I want to get some notoriety. But as I'm getting older, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how important it is to be in front of a live audience. Hmm. Um, but uh, but I don't know. I, it's so fast. I mean, that's like since I was three years old and I uh-huh. did my first dance recital and I was on a stage, I was addicted. I was yeah. just like, it was where I felt comfortable and where I felt I could like shine and be myself. And um, I love the connection with the audience. It's just something. That, and I think that's where like that Bonnie Raitt reference comes from um, mm-hmm. that I, you it put in the intro is I, I that came from a, a quote actually from a, a fan who used to see me play in Vermont a lot at this bookstore that had music and it was, it was a really like, I would play solo there a lot and just really connect with the audience. And those are the kinds of gigs sometimes that would just, oh, he, you know, heal me. It was just so satisfying to really connect with people. And now it's grown into me and Peter connecting with people in this mm-hmm. bigger way with more loud sounds and lovely textures of guitars but, and things. But if I may, I mean, I think there's a, there's a common like, ground here of a love of live music. I mean, mm. when I was a kid, but I had the benefit of both my parents were musicians. They weren't gigging musicians after, once I was born. They were, you know, they had moved on to more domestic suburban lifestyles. But they, you know, we would still be immersed in music all the time in the home. And anytime we ever went anywhere and there was live music, I was always transfixed. Mm-hmm. So like that sort of thing. And then beginning to play like, you know, my first piano recital at age eight and like doing things like that. I've always had this, this, this incredible nervous love of live music. Mm-hmm. And to me, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing is live music. Yeah. Live. Yeah. When it's happening, live like music. a listener recording, listen to a song, it's great. Give it to me live. Give it to me real. Yeah, and that's the thing that just—that's what gets me off. And me too. You know, and so yeah, that's why we get again, along so well. Thing. But the, the <laughs> funny, seems like the a good match is, up here. <laughs> it is. But the funny thing I'll say here is, and this is maybe this is a part of a partner dynamic and such as that is the fact that you know. So we've been talking about this fourth album that we that Teresa is working on. You know, but we are working right now. I should say. Yeah. And. You know, Teresa, you know, in this this space of COVID and such, it's like, we should book some gigs. We should book some gigs. I'm like, will you stop? We have to. I'm sorry if I didn't mean to do that. But I'll bleep it if I need to. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, I'm like, can we please, let's, let's write play. this. Like, we have, no, let's put it this way. The most of the album's written and we've been demoing it and we're working with a great producer and, and we're really, uh, Tony Dickinson, who I work with the Silva and he's just amazing. There's so many incredible things. Um, and, and our good, our good friend, you know, uh, we're also working with uh, Chad Mathis and Travis Moberg, who are just amazing. In our band, in, basically. You know, it's awesome it's musicians in this area and just good friends and just great yeah. people to, to create with. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, but what you, just, you just did the res. You just uh, gave I, thanks I, to all the people that were working with you. That's great. I went, I went into name drop mode. But the, the whole thing around it was about um, – Let's we want to like let's let's take this time to write the album so that when we come when this all when the COVID stuff's over and live music's happening again we can all get yeah. out and do stuff we have all this new hotness that we can hit with and it's gonna be awesome. So it's, it's no it's, pressure. It's, it's, it's the beautiful, you know, push and pull of no pressure. We need to write, we need to record, we need to get this stuff going forward. She's like, I just want to book gigs. I just want to book gigs. But it's also because Teresa's motivated by shows. She's yeah. motivated to practice and to work and to do things because there's gigs. Like you have, and this goes back to the whole songwriting thing around what are the things that motivate you? How do you get the job done? Is it a song prompt? Is it because mm-hmm. you have, you're part of this group that, has a song due next week and you got to get it done. Like yep. what do you need to do in order to be motivated to get this completed? Right. And we all have to find our own path of what it is. And right now yeah. everything's all for cocked. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have to figure out a different way of doing it. Brand new ways. Yeah. This is well. That's what this is all about for me. I mean, this I'll, this this program literally is an ex- is just an excuse to get myself writing again because there was like about a month and a half where I hadn't touched the guitar right. and I was thinking I need to do something and I'm doing all these po- this podcasting I might as well you know do one that revolves around songwriting and then I won't be completely abandoning what I've been doing for the last decade so we're honored I'm honored to hey, be man, here bless thank your you. heart and thank you yeah, and right on thank you. I'm yeah. so happy that you guys are here this has been this has been really fun so far but it's about to get more fun because it is time dun, dun, dun. for the central conceit of the whole program uh, I want to I want to first uh, talk a little bit about um, <laughs> the prompts that we, we went <laughs> ah, over yes. here the prompts so um, I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull up there the prompts here prompts. so so just to give you an idea of what I'm doing is I've been going to – I found a – I used some random prompts for a different podcast and uh, uh, and I'm just getting a kick out of them. They're great. And and I go to this one place and it has a whole bunch of different types of random prompts. One of them is the weird word random prompt. And I've just been getting just such a kick because even if you know there's the definition of the word – which is going to be random, but the word itself sometimes implies something different. So, you know, sometimes that can go a different direction. But the uh, the random word that we chose or that I chose uh, as amongst the three prompts that I gave Teresa, uh, the first one is Stevador. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Stevador? I think so, yeah. yeah. And that is a person employed or a contractor engaged at a dock to load and unload cargo from ships. I also pulled out a random quote. Uh, the random quote in this case was, even on the highest throne in the world, we are still sitting on our ass. And that was by uh, Michel de Montaigne. Um, and then there was also, I also included a random picture. And in this case, it's a pineapple uh, floating in a pool. <laughs> and so, uh, Teresa, do you want to, do you want to, Talk about which, uh, in theory, the idea was that um, we would work on the same prompt. And Teresa was, uh, when she first got the prompt, she was unsure about what it was. So I know I personally chose the pineapple in the water uh, prompt, and that's what I worked on my for my song. But Teresa, you 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 kind of did a combo here. Yeah, I I well, gosh, where to start with this? A lot of things came up with all these words and there were these prompts. Um, Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So first of all, <laughs> the word stevedore and how it means longshoreman and someone who works on the docks was so apropos because this is total digression here. I have huh. a brother named Steve. Oh, okay. And Steve loves to go fishing. And Peter over here went on a fishing trip with him. And during the fishing trip, Peter gave him the nickname, the longshoreman. Hmm. So I had to send that um, definition in a Wikipedia article, article about Stevedore to my brother Steve and say, like, see, you really are a longshoreman. <laughs> <laughs> that aside. He, he had the pea coat, the hat, the whole deal. Was, I'm like, well, let's see, it was a fishing trip. Everybody earned a nickname on that trip, but his was the longshoreman. So I just thought that was hilarious. I did Sweet. not know about this word at all. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and then I loved the pineapple floating in the swimming pool. I was just like, what is that about? Like, what does that mean? And and I know, well, you probably gave this to me on like a Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday? Yeah, it was a Tuesday. Yeah. And those are the days, okay, in our life, we have two children. 
to, we have them half, mm. half the week and Tuesday is one of the days. And it's also the one day where they don't go to school. They are homeschooled on those days because we have hybrid learning right now. And I'm sure Yay, COVID. so it was, it was an extremely busy day. Plus we work our day jobs from home. So it was a day where I was just like, I can't think of anything else. Like I couldn't even process these prompts. And so I went to sleep and then I got up the next morning and I, I, did my, my morning pages, which I'm actually starting a, I've been a, 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 like starting an, an artist's way group. I'm part of a, a new, oh. you read the, ever read the artist's way. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, So I was, you know, it's the write your morning pages, three pages a more every morning. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to sit with these prompts and, and freestyle stream of consciousness, write out what I was thinking about these ideas. And I had looked up, you know, I'd looked up the word stevedore and I'd did a little, had done a little research and, and what I ended up doing was just writing a couple pages of of ideas about what this longshoreman and the nice. pineapple, like how this how they're connected and where this came from. And, um, and I even did a bunch of research. I remember jumping on my phone because I had this idea of like a stevedore. Okay, well, when is that term in fashion? And I thought it was pretty close to the turn of the century. So then I thought about, you know, where do pineapples come from? Hawaii. And what would a person who's a stevedore connecting with some pineapples at the turn of the century would really be like the steamships bringing things from Hawaii over to maybe like San Francisco. I was trying to think of where would be a nice place where there would be a dock worker who would somehow see shipments of pineapples come in. Um, so that's where the whole thing started. <laughs> and I nice. won't go into too much detail. <laughs> Well, so, and when did you two start working together on the song? At what, at what point did you merge? How did I, so then the next, was it that day, then I brought him my idea of like, okay, this is the concept of the song. And do I want to tell more or do we want to leave it for the song? I could. Well, do we want to listen to the song right now? And then we can talk know. more about it. Let's I guess uh, we sure. listen to the song and then. Sure. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Wild and free. <laughs> Was an untamed spirit from the South Pacific Island. Always misunderstood ever since she was a child. Big ships arrived on their shore. She dreamed of seeing more. He was a longshoreman working the docks every day, unloading cargo off the ships and from the tropics to the bay. He'd see things he'd never seen before. Dreamed of seeing more. They were wild and they were free. In their minds, they could breathe. The ship arrived from Hawaii bringing sweet pineapples. The mysterious dark-haired girl hidden between the pallets Shivering in the San Francisco cold He offered her his coat He showed her every sight from the valley to the wharf They rode a cable car from the Presidio up to Golden Gate Park She'd never seen so many people A building so tall We're wild and they were free 
He'd always want it for his own On a ship back across the ocean floor A year later he found his way there Found her once more They were wild and they were free In their minds they could be That's a great, that is just such a, <laughs> such a fun song. It makes me laugh. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's such a great story, too. I also, you know, one thing I really like about it, um, there, there's some vocal, I mean, there's lyrical acrobatics going on here. I, I really love the line, like for, in particular, like they wrote a cable card from the Presidio up to Golden Gate Park, and that just... Sounds so good. It just rolls off there. And I also like the rhyming of home and own uh, Mm. down there. She told him. Though it it raises a philosophical question in my mind. Is that they both find each other to be kind of exotic people. Um, But if they went to live in that person's world, then one of them almost necessarily has to be has to be bored out of their mind. Because like if 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 he moves in with her to the island she doesn't want to be there. She wants to be elsewhere, even though this is like his perfect you know, idea of perfection. And if she wants to live, you know, where he grew up or whatever, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this is like a catch 22. This is I like, need to write another song then. I don't know. Like, how do you, maybe they split their time. Well, it's like five years down the road. It's sort of like, oh, well, maybe we need well, to move. You could, you could snowboard in Hawaii or, or, you know, whatever. Like That's true. Spend your spring and summer in San Francisco and then get the heck out of there for the winter and go to Hawaii. That's right. Why not? That's right. But then again, you know that you know. My thought was this was a pretty like early 1900s time frame, but it but it mm. you know it could be whenever because she she's from a remote island. I didn't know what if I should say it was you know Honolulu maybe was remote at the time you know Oahu at the time. Well, um, still but, pretty remote, but I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, but maybe I guess she there's was from some other random island there, that, there, you know, yeah. really was really was remote and. Um, um, somehow she just jumped on this ship and found her way in San, to San Francisco. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun to come up with details for this song because I, I I just I did all this research and I, I it could have my original thought was it was gonna be something slower and sweeter. I mean islandy sounding for sure. But then I brought it to Peter and so to continue on with where we were before we listened to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, he came up with this this rhythm that was just so hopping and and 
upbeat and fun. And I'm like, okay, can I write to this? I mean, it was yet another challenge of like, uh, can I, can I trim all these words I have down to fit into this kind of rhythm where where I could say them fast enough? So so (laughs) you had, had you written all the lyrics already or, or just some of them or how, how did that play out? I had, I think when he played the rhythm for me, I hadn't really written lyrics. I just had a stream of consciousness okay. stuff. And so I he, thought, could I take all these, this, just random stuff from my notebook, a story? Basically, it wasn't a story. It was almost like I'd written a narrative. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to distill it down, which is what a song, songwriter's job often is, to distill a story down into concise Cup, uh, rhyming couplets, basically. <laughs> That's what we do. But, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I think what I heard from you was island and pineapple. Yeah, he ran with that. <laughs> That's true. I mean, island, it, it pineapple, is. and then longshoreman. And then, like, yeah, and I just had a turn of the century. And then I, you know, and I, I think you used the term non sequitur yesterday. Oh, non sequitur. Because the fact is, like, I'm writing something that's more of a Calypso thing, which is more Caribbean based about something that's in Hawaii, which mm. is kind of silly. But, totally at the same time, we're, we're, but at the same time, you know, but, but we know I didn't want to do Don Ho with it. Hey, we, we used the ukulele. So that, that, we that did happened. Add the ukulele. <laughs> there you that go. Was, that, was, that was my first time recording with ukulele ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun. But it was, it was the idea was to, how can I convey some sort of, because I wonder I think of the island. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to have been to the Caribbean, been to Hawaii, and there's just always this kind of like you're thinking still drums, you're thinking like mm. this, just kind of like you, you got this cool breeze, you're thinking coconuts, you're thinking grass skirts, <laughs> you're thinking you know all this sort of stuff. That just grass skirts you know, are Tahitian, not Hawaiian. You know by what? The way. You, <laughs> we guys, you know, we need to get this all right here. Let, let's go get let's hey, get on uh, hey, Wikipedia and make sure okay, we get all the you details. Know what? I had a luau. For my first wedding, <laughs> my first marriage, <laughs> and you, know, you weren't there. I was not there. So, I mean, hello. At <laughs> any rate, Tahitian grass skirts. Okay, I will. Okay. I can show you. It, it definitely. It, I'm sure you're nowhere. right. But I'm anyway. sure you're right. Are there? <laughs> thank are you. There, are grass skirts only in, in, in Tahiti? They're, they're the only ones. They they, they're to? not a Hawaiian traditional thing. I've uh, learned recently. Okay. I. I that was just something I, I watched on like indigenous people about indigenous people for Columbus Day. Interesting. Actually, and the Indigenous Peoples oh. Day. Um, there was a video I watched that talked about misnomers for indigenous people. And that was one of the things, someone from Hawaii explaining that, yeah, there's no grass skirts. That's not a thing that they did. It's something that came up about with the tourists. Interesting. So, yeah. Isn't well, that we were tourists. That's fine. <laughs> any rate. Thank you. Actually, that's really interesting. Isn't that I interesting? Had, I had no idea. I, I didn't right, mean to, so. to like, I'm sorry if it came across as I... She likes being right. You know, I, I just I just <laughs> wanted to get that fact out there. It was like, that's, I just learned this. So well, sorry. but this is, this is I, I mean, this kind of raises an interesting question, though. When it, when it comes to something, uh, you're producing pop culture, uh, when you're producing a piece of art, um, you know, sometimes we produce things with shorthand, and sometimes there's a lot of information that goes into it. Uh, a lot of research and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really fun song. You know, I don't know that it needs, does it, does it need to be a hundred percent accurate? I, I don't know that it does. But. Well, so, so fun thing about that, there's this whole, this is, this is a total rabbit hole. I'm just going to mention this for a second, then I'll bail. Um, <laughs> there is an awesome video on YouTube by Adam Neely, whom I think is amazing. 
uh, talking about uh, the history of Bossa Nova. Mm-hmm. And the concept around it is talking about the cultural appropriation mm-hmm. uh, of the music that came from Brazil and how that came into like the jazz world in the 1950s in, in the United States. And it was actually a feedback loop between the two cultures that kind of got things. And one of the things they talk about is when the girl from Ipanema is played, basically this whole thing's all about how weird the girl from Ipanema is, is from a, from a uh, song structure and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, totally weird when you try to analyze it and talks about the fact that if you play that song as a Brazilian musician, it's in a certain key. If you play it as an American musician in a wedding band and all this sort of stuff, it's in a different key. And huh. it has to do with the fact of what Sinatra did it in and what some kid at Berkeley wrote it and that one wound up becoming the real book that everybody else that, that plays in all these bands just mm. does it from and such. Mm-hmm. And it just talks about the fact that even when Stevie Wonder will play the girl from Ipanema in the United States, he'll play it in one key. And in South America, he plays it in a different key. Wow. Interesting. Weird, wild, and crazy. But yeah, check that out. Adam Neely, The Girl from Ipanema, Bossa Nova. Amazing. Oh, I got my homework. This is good. Good. No, You'll dig it. It's really interesting. Yeah, we did watch that, yeah. Um, so. Wait, Let's talk where, about where the, song the song some more. Yeah, so, so you got you put it together. You got kind of a, a mishmash of kind of tropical uh, uh, themes and styles. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and, and I do give Peter, I mean, Peter came up with the cool riff, I mean, and so then I we, we kind of worked up the chord structure together a mm-hmm. bit. Um, yep. When I finally came up with, when I came back to him with my set of lyrics, then it was sort of like, well, what's the chorus? I think I kind of made up the chorus on the spot. I forget yeah. how that came apart, came about. Um, and and, and the same thing with the bridge. Yeah. Then we were going through it. It's like, okay, we need a bridge. And, and, and he came up with these bridge chords and I stole like part of the last verse and turned it into a bridge, which worked out great. And that's where the, the, the guy is realizing, gosh, you know, I want to go to this other island place so that she's from. And, um, and so he, jumps on a boat back, you know, a year later or so. I, I thought about like, well, he could, um, you know, how long would it take for him to save enough money to, t- to take a boat, to, like a steamship from San Francisco at the turn of the century mm. to, to Hawaii? And it would be like a year of his wages. So that's why I made it a year. There's oh. some detail that I looked up that I really, it's so funny how much I got into this to like research what it would have been like living back then and how would you get to Hawaii and... um which is or from amazing. Hawaii to San Francisco, and and a lot of those details did not quite make it into it because you have to had to distill it down to fit into yeah. this fast rhythm that I was going to sing against. <laughs> Whereas you get I, so much detail and imagery into it, considering how much you've got to cram into it because of the speed. I mean, no, I mean you do a, it. It's balanced really, really well. Sorry, sorry, oh, Peter. Thank what were you, you thank you. I hope well, I was hoping for that. Well, I, and speaking of the balance part, I mean, I was also looking at it from the from the theoretical standpoint of. Okay, we're writing a one four five progression, and then the chorus is a five four one, mm-hmm. and then the bridge. Well, we we we're starting on a one, we're starting on a five. We'll need to start on a four and do bridge. something a little bit different. So the whole idea was to continue the movement of keeping it familiar, but also staying within a certain confine of 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 not repeating ourselves too much, and but still making it uh, have enough re- re- repetition so that it's catchy, but not so repetition so that it's boring. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's a success. I, well, I we. I, it sounds like you you've you've written a lot of songs from prompts and done it in a week. So, I mean, I, one question I wanted to ask was, how finished do you feel this song is? And if you were to do a self critique, what are what are some parts of it that you might? Because like, we're, 
I'm, I'm hoping that we get songwriters kind of as a primary audience for this. So from a songwriterly writerly perspective, you know, are there any areas where you would want to maybe tighten up or, or change or that you feel less secure about than others? Hmm. I, you know, I did quite a bit of tweaking like the last couple of days to right before we recorded it of the wording and, um, trying to fit the words and the phrasing into mm. this structure that I'd created where it's sort of like two longer, ver- two longer lines in the verse and then a shorter line that has a break in the middle with a little blurb at the end. Um, and trying to keep, get them to rhyme, like, like, Shivering in the San Francisco cold and offered her his coat. They kind of rhyme, you know. Um, I would might tweak some of the rhymes is really what I, you know. And mm. like the, they rode the cable car from Presidio up to Golden Cape Park was something different. Um, I can't remember now what it was. It was long. It was, I think I had tried to, uh, from Embarca, I think I was going to try to use the word Embarcadero, but it was too hard to say. What what is, what is Embarcadero mean? The Embarcadero is the is the is a street or a, like right along the pier on oh. the on. I looked this up. I remember going down there on the on the um, east side of the bay, of the San Francisco Bay. So it's um, and then Golden Gate Park is on the more the west side. So the Presidio is on the north side. So it's not very far going from Presidio to Golden Gate Park, but it's but it was easier to sing. But I think it's also because of the fact that once we came up the riff. And more or less, we got committed to a tempo. Yeah, it was the mm. tempo that was really like, oh God, I gotta gotta trim get, this trim this down. I gotta get this down right. so I, it, you can actually understand my words. And sure. and the diction has to be good. <laughs> um, so I, I I hope you could get it. I mean, that was really. I mean, I guess what I really would do at this point is get feedback from other people, such as yourself, David, as to what do you think could be tweaked. I mean, not that you you know have to write the second, but. Um, yeah. Well, I just I I, I have just pr- I have only praise for it at the moment. Um, I think it's I, I I this is we were talking about versatility and, and whatnot earlier, and this is a very different song than I've heard you do before. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I guess it's the the combo maybe, but but you know maybe it's just that you're always looking to do different kinds of music. And, yeah, yeah, always. And, and, and I, the, okay, well, one 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 challenge we've had recently. So we have this whole set of songs that I've written lately, and they've honestly have been a lot of them pretty slow and emotional. And I really mm. throughout this COVID stuff, and for the album, I wanted to write something fun and happy and upbeat. And it was even a challenge given to us by our producer for the new album to write something upbeat. And that, I mean, maybe this is it, maybe not. Um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, if we can, you know, if we really feel like we can put it out there on the album. It, it's very different than the rest of the album, but it might be what it needs. I don't know. And, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, you know, I, so as an electric guitar player, I am very heavily influenced by Van Halen, which is very mm. much a feel good, have a great time kind of <laughs> all American band from, from my standpoint, lyrics, notwithstanding. I'm saying, I'm thinking there's more about, about the, 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 he's talking the guitar part. That, <laughs> yeah. And you know, Eddie Van Halen just passed and it kind of re-reminded me of the fact that, you know, I, I, we try not, I try not to, as a guitar player, I try not to sound too much like my heroes, but I know certain things that are just un, inescapable. And I was amazed at how much his passing impacted me, how much it struck huh. me. And it struck so many of my friends and it was, and I realized I wasn't alone in how I felt and that mm. so many people felt the same way. And I just like, you know what? You know, harkening back to like 
when when music wasn't so produced and it wasn't so perfect and it wasn't so corporate and you know going back to like the late seventies or early eighties and it was just about having a f-ing good time and just having a party and just having it be a celebration and I kind of and I I was when 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 when, when what you said came to me about island and pineapple I just kind of obviously ran with it ran with it and <laughs> and I just like I just want to have a good time. He really to, wanted to, to write a party song, and I'm like, no, we're, we're we're writing a serious song about this guy and this girl, and now they want to be free and they want to live the life they want to live. Well, you know, so this I, is where we can come together to try to create a you know connection. Well, the beauty of it is, is just because you have an upbeat song that it, I mean, you can. The great thing about music, I, I I think, is that you can do it both ways. You can have a serious story, but that's upbeat, um, yeah. and, and upbeat up tempo, I guess I should say. And, uh, you know, I think you came up with like a really, I mean, I, I think it's a great hybrid of, of, of styles and it's got layers and it's something that, that people listen to and, and they'll listen to it multiple times and they'll just be, they'll, they'll find more to it each time. I, I, it's a lovely song and I'll, I'll tell you that I'm really, I'm super happy that this is the first, uh, the first, <laughs> uh, song that, that gets done for this show. So Aww. thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and bringing such an awesome song. So now for the anticlimax, where we talk about my song. Listening to your song earlier, I was really touched by it. Honestly, it was really moving and it was beautiful. So I'm, and there's some brilliant writing in there. So I'm excited to talk about your song next. Well, let's, yeah, let's look at it. So I I did decide to go with the pineapple uh, theme as well. Did you hear this yet, Peter? Have you heard a song? I actually have not. Okay. okay. It's first time. It's great. And, um, really great. This was, uh, I, I, I have a, I have trouble writing kind of just happy songs and obviously a pineapple in a swimming pool is something that, you know, you would first go with a happy song. So I have a, my natural tendency when I come up with some sort of happy type of subject matter or something is to try to sabotage it and, and, and make it, (laughs) you know, have a, I, I, I'm more likely to take like a really sad type of thing and make it kind of comedic and, you know, bring it, bring it up too. So, but in this case, yeah, I decided I wanted to kind of create something kind of tropical sounding that, uh, that had a little bit more layers to it. Um, but, uh, this was, this was tougher for me than I was expecting. Cause I think right now I've got a reputation for being a pretty prolific writer because I, in January, uh, every January I do my song a day January project where I write a song every day for the whole month. Right. And this was, this was, this was tougher because I wasn't forcing myself to make choices. I, mm-hmm. I, I started off and the first couple verses, I mean, the verse melody came pretty quickly. And then, you know, you get like, sometimes you get a chorus and then I just sort of stopped. I stopped for days. Now it's been a very busy week. So that's, that's a big factor there, but it took for days to, I, I really, oh, at least half of the song got written pretty much. Uh, when did I send this out to you? Was it last night? Last so, night. Yeah, so yesterday. <laughs> so I ended up having 3:09 a.m. 3:09 a.m. We got the email. <laughs> yeah, I had to have the I had had the deadline. Um and then of course, then of course I was recording it and I was I, originally I thought I would whip out the song real quick and then I would have a lot of time to work out arrangements and stuff. And 
Uh, and then you guys told me you were adding ukulele and whatnot to yours, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, I need to make sure this oh, isn't just no. like really pathetic sounding. Um, it's because I got so, him. That's why. I mean, I wouldn't have been so produced if I hadn't had this lovely gentleman. That's right. It's all your fault, Peter. It's the emotional support guitar player. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the, the thing for me is, I mean, this is definitely a, a COVID song. And, uh, but it was yeah. trying to sort of hide it in a kind of a feel good mellow tune, at least the, the groove anyway. Yeah, so, I did anyway. there's some COVID references of just, you know, of like the vacation three month, va- I forget what. Video oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And years. then, and then the wildfire, but, but you know what? I'm getting, I'm jumping the, the gun here. Yeah, let's, there were a lot of references to like right now. It was amazing. So. Let's, uh, let's play the song. Here we go. This is Kiss on the Cheek. I held you tight I missed how You always kept me safe Through the night Made everything right But now The lesson is too hard to learn So I'll Just let it burn 
Let it burn, let it burn We shared a moment, a moment too brief Who thought you'd die from a kiss on the cheek? We shared a moment, a moment too brief Who thought you'd die from a kiss on the cheek. It's just lovely. Love that, David. I, it's, oh, it's thank beautiful. you. That's awesome. Thank the you. The melody is so lovely. And so, I mean, your thing, voice man. is like so rich. So I, I'm, you're doing it. You know, even if you don't think you're doing it, you're doing it, babe. <laughs> oh, well, I really appreciate that. Um, really beautiful. I thought this was, I thought it came out, I, I was I was pretty happy with the way it came out. I felt like um, I was pouring in a lot of, trying to pour in as many melodic hooks as I could into there. <laughs> the uh, Putting together the production was kind of interesting because uh, um, it's in 5-4 time. And, oh, really? I, you know, this is always confounds me when I'm trying to record something. I try to get the metronome going. And uh, I've recently been finding that, you know, a lot of my songs are not 4-4. So I, it, it works better if I find these others. So that, so that was kind of kind of cool. And, um, yeah, I, the production stuff, I, I've, I found that kind of fun to, to play with. Uh, uh, it's something I've been wanting to do is is learn a little bit more about production because I don't have any recordings that are really available for folks. And uh, so this has given me a chance to work on that as well. But yeah, was uh, that, so is that a, that's a five, four sort of Congo, Congo Latin beat you found or where did that come from? Oh, I just was picking through the, well, uh, I was working with garage bands. I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually playing the congas on there, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, I was working garage band and they, they allow you to pick the, uh, you know, you can use a metronome, but metronomes are really horrible for me. I, I need syncopation. So okay. what I did is I set the, I, I got, I went to loops and I just pulled out some percussion and uh, and then just tried them in different times to see if I could find the right timing mm. uh, for it. And 5-4 ended up being the right time. Wow. Nice. So yeah, nice. had a nice, nice, cool, mellow groove to it, which was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, how I was imagining. So it, it it really worked out that way. But it's got the island flavor too. It really it has yeah. this Jimmy Buffetty mellow sitting by the beach, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, and I like the uh, kind of the ambient, you know, electric, electric guitar. I thought it sounded killer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because that was my. I, I don't. Uh, one thing I do is I don't play lead. So that was me. <laughs> yeah, Trying to record that last night was going. was a real monster because I went through it so many times getting it wrong, and then I finally ended up just sort of editing, just cutting up what I did do, and right. just placing it all over the recording. So that's that's a major cheat. No, no, no that's great. Yeah. Honestly, we were going through and we were we were trying to like we we've been going through some challenges with uh, I don't know. I don't really have a lot in like percussion and drum loops with the the stuff we have, and mm-hmm. so we brought out El Potato, and oh. we were oh, we yeah. were going back and it's, forth it's a, it's trying to figure out. It's an egg shaker. Like a, I, I would do that one, and then what were you you were I doing? Was doing uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah, it sounded great. So were you, you mean you you, uh, you doubled that? actually brought out shakers. It's a potato. It's an egg shaker shaped like a potato. Well, when we recorded, when, when <laughs> Teresa, you and I, we wrote uh, Emergency Vacation together. Uh-huh, yeah. I, every time I watch that video, I'm like, wow, I'm doing a really job with the shaker and it's just it bothers me it bothers I me i love that song i don't think i've seen oh we, I, we're, we're t- talking about recording that we constantly that go like we're like I out need, of nowhere like we're honestly like it'll just be totally silent and we'll be like i need, need an, an emergency, emergency vacation. vacation it's catchy it is catchy it's super, awesome. we should we should i mean we might we might work on a, a recording of that if you oh could. absolutely yeah, yeah. I, well that was one of the things when i was doing my song swap this summer that was one of the things is I wanted to hear other people perform my songs, you know, people, mm. not me. And uh, even when I'm, you know, the co-writes, it seems like, you know, usually those get played when I'm in the room, you know, or we're playing it together. Right. And uh, and I think it was Kevin Dooley uh, did a version of the song that we co-wrote. And it was what what struck me was how different it was. You know, it was the same song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was different, you know, yeah. and, and it just had all of his. And I think that I find that the the biggest difference usually with it, with co writers anyway is that the rhythmic interpretations are different. Mm-hmm. That they'll just you know, uh, if you take the same song that's written by the same people and they each do it individually, there's a lot of rhythmic dis- differences in the way they do it. Just maybe the way they hold like space between notes and whatnot. But I get such a kick out of it when I hear, uh, you know, other people playing something that I wrote. And part of me wants to just go into just being a songwriter and just just doing that. Mm. So, but I would love to hear your guys do that version of the song. I think that would be awesome. I, want, I don't even know. You probably emailed me the video where I, I have to look for it again. And I haven't worked up Eric. charts, but yeah, the video, I can send that to you again if you want. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's on YouTube. But it's on my YouTube page. Okay. I, but I can find oh, it. oh, then I can find it. Then don't you worry. can probably just type in. I need an emergency vacation. Doesn't matter where I'm going for how long. When I'm coming home. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> no, that's one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs from January this year. So that was so fun, and that right. was song a day. So we, you know, that was yeah, that was a great song that came out of just cool one stuff. day. I mean, I, I almost brought, tonight I brought my song, I almost brought my song Paris that I really wrote in 45 minutes uh-huh. for the most oh, wow. part. I tweaked it over many years and even like came up with like singing a part of it in French and things like that. Cause it's, you know, it's about a woman who is left in Paris and decides to stay there. And, uh, it, it but it was my gypsy jazz song. That's the gypsy jazz song I was referencing earlier. Like I just wanted to write something of that style and had no idea how to do it. And so I just picked up my guitar and was trying to found find chords that sounded jazzy and gypsy jazzy ish. And, um, but it really just kind of spilled out of me because, and I didn't had no real intention. You know, I didn't know what I was going to write about, except I have a, I had one, I had one gypsy jazz CD and it was Django in Paris. That's the name of it. Uh-huh. And so that's the one spot I had to listen to and at home and, and so I'm like, well, okay, then I can write about Paris. I've been to Paris. I can come up with stuff. And so it was a completely made up story, but awesome. You know, in the end, in, in the end, it was like one of those just um, inspired by the rhythm, you know? Yeah. That's a great song. I like, I love that song. That's uh, I've danced to that song. You've seen me dancing in the audience to that song, I think right? I've seen you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah You're a yeah. good dancer. Oh, well, thank you very much. As, as are you. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> but you're a professional, so or you have been a professional at one point. Was yeah, not yeah. Anymore. So, well, as as Peter pointed out, I am running out of juice here. So let's let's move on to the, <laughs> the next se- segment, which is called. Uh, well, just is there anything that you want to plug? Do you have anything going right now that you? Uh, if 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 nothing else, just give us your website and uh, tell us what you can get on there. Well, we got. TeresaStorch.com, and it's spelled T-E-R-E-S-A-S-T-O-R-C-H. Uh, and, I mean, there you can just hear blurbs of my songs, see some press. We don't have a lot of shows booked these days because of COVID, um, and we're spending time in the studio working on this new album, so that's where our focus is right now. But you can learn a bit about me, um, and you can find me on Facebook, where... Yeah, probably, probably, the, probably most. the most active place I am right now is Facebook. I, so yeah, follow us, like like Tracy Storch on Facebook, and that's probably the best way to follow us and know when the latest updates are happening, when shows are booked and such, whether it's in yeah. the area or elsewhere. Once we can do that again, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm hoping to start booking for the spring, to be honest, or when it does start to get warm again and people can get back outside, because I'm assuming we're going to be like this for a while, um, yeah. and that that that's sort of my my goal right now after. You know, after this album's done, we have a place to then bring these new songs to. So I'm excited about that. And you can find my, my albums on Spotify and iTunes, things like that. And uh, that that's about it, I think. You know, if you have, if anyone wants us to come play in our front porch or in a, for an outdoor private party, we're happy happy to book things, you know. That's yeah. right. And, and all your contact information is on your website. So Correct. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Just drop us an email. You can sign up for my email list there, too, although I'm not sending out a lot of, lot of email blasts these days. But, yeah, when, once the album's coming out, we'll, we'll, we'll be hitting people up for pre-orders and things like that. So. Well, we've been known to do the spontaneous live stream on Facebook. That's true. We do a spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a Wednesday night date night one time when I'm like, I just want to play a show. So we did a Facebook live stream and we do some driveway concerts. On occasion, but it's getting a little colder now, so so many of those. But. Since we'll be inside for a while, we're hoping to keep this. Uh, we're trying to get better at our, our production quality for inside the uh, the conservatory, as Teresa referred to this room. So. The room we're in, our little music study. Uh, but again, it's TeresaStorch.com, T E R E S A S T O R C H. I want to give you guys a preview uh, of what we're doing next week. These are the, the prompts that I've given to Terry Cook. Uh, I don't know if you know her. I, I know, I've met her at song mm-hmm. school, but uh, yeah. uh, she's a great songwriter. And she's these are the prompts that I've given her to choose from. Uh, wow. The first one, the random word, is grim gribber, which is learned gibberish or legal jargon. Though <laughs> the word the word itself, wow. grim grim gribber, is gribber. just a cool sounding word, even if it doesn't mean what it means. Uh, <laughs> I, I included a, a random question, which in this case, this is an addition. I didn't give you a random question, Teresa, so this mm-hmm. is new. Um, what's the most interesting thing you have in your pockets right now? And I got nothing in my pockets, so. Uh, I, I um, have a Kleenex. A hand in my pocket. That's right. The other one it's pulling is... out some pocket lint. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> the random quote is one of the symptoms of an approaching nervous breakdown is the belief that one's work is terribly important. Mm. And that's from Bertrand Russell. And then we have a random picture, which I'll have to post uh, online, but it's this really lovely spiral staircase. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. 
Well, it's great because I think spiral, the downward spirals and, and, and mental breakdowns go well together. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Especially if you've got yeah, nine-inch yeah, nails. Good things and, out of I, that. and I have to say, Grim, was it Grim Gribber? Grim can you scroll up again? That yeah, was Grim Gribber. I can't, I can't help but say, but Grim Gribber and the Hamburglar feel like they should go together well. <laughs> the there you go. I like it. I like it. So, folks, that's what's coming up next uh, episode. And, uh,. That's our show. I want to I want to thank Teresa Storch and Peter Lasis for being the inaugural guests and uh, just helping me kick things off. And they did it with an amazing song. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all those stories and your process. All of you out there in songwriter land, thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. If you have an idea for a, a slogan for the show, send it our way. Pineapple in the water Cocktails sitting by my old swimming pool